Your attention, please. The Thunder Mesa Limited, now leaving for a grand circle tour through the realms of Imagineering, Model Railroading, and Disney Trains. All passengers, board! Howdy folks, welcome aboard the Thunder Mesa Limited. I'm your host Dave Mee, coming to you from Thunder Mesa Studio in the charming hamlet of Jerome, Arizona. Like the man says, this is the show where we talk to all kinds of creative folks from the worlds of Imagineering, modeling, trains, and most of all, Disney trains. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 9, and today we are thrilled to welcome back to the program former Disney Imagineer, Ray Spencer. Ray was an executive creative director for Walt Disney Imagineering, where he oversaw numerous projects for Disney parks around the globe. You may remember Ray from episode two of this podcast, and despite that, he remains a leader in the world of themed entertainment, and can most recently be seen on the Disney Plus series Behind the Attraction. Please stay tuned for my candid conversation with Ray Spencer, which begins right after this important message from our sponsor. This episode brought to you by the Western River Expedition Company. Up the creek without a paddle? No problem. At Western River Expedition Company, we still move freight and passengers the old-fashioned way, with slow, reliable steam power through the spectacular but treacherous canyons along the rivers of America. Thrill to the sights and sounds of an amazing frontier river expedition, where the journey is more important than the destination. Especially since you might never get there. Heck, some folks have been waiting for the boat to arrive since way back in 71. That's the Western River Expedition Company. Catch us if you can at Fowler's Landing in Thunder Mesa. And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please give a magical Thunder Mesa welcome to my friend and yours, Ray Spencer. Hey, Dave. Glad to be here. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you're here too. It's great to have you back, man. Thank you know, you so I, there's, there's, there's two milestones here. You, the episode you were on, episode two, was is the most downloaded uh, of all of the Thunder Mesa podcasts, and you are the the first person I've had back for a second round. So. Wow! Thank you so much. It's it's an honor to be here. So how and, does that? Uh, make I'm, I'm glad. You? I'm glad I made the cut. You know. <laughs> It was your appearance on Behind the Attraction that really cinched it for me. I said, no, here's a media savvy guy. Are you sure it wasn't in front of the attraction? (laughs) That's that's a whole whole different show. Yeah, well, Behind the Attraction, uh, that was was an interesting show to do. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. a lot of fun. So, thank you. Well, good. It's it's, it's great to have you back. And, um, you know... um, you said you wanted to talk a little bit about um, Tom Sawyer Island. Sure. Now, I'm happy to talk about anything that has anything to do with Frontierland, because that's my favorite land, because it's made of wood. Frontierland yep. is my favorite My favorite in the park. I love there. I, I love, well, I should, I should say, I love Frontierland from 1955 up until 1980-something, yeah. 85. 
Yeah. And then after that, yeah. it started to not be. As, well, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of it kind of it kind of because it, it sort of shrank and it evolved into something that didn't, in my mind, didn't quite have the, the critical mass that it did earlier. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I'm understanding you right, that's that's, you know, what I felt as well. Um, yeah. Of course, being, a, you know, someone who's interested in the West and the history and mining and frontier land and all of that. Um, and trains. And trains. Yeah, yeah. Among other things. But but uh, yeah, I, 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 I think that land has uh, has had some really great attractions and, you know, still has some some DNA that's that's good. And, um, you know, it's 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 layout is a little bit loose to me. I mean, you're I, I don't quite feel as immersed as I'd like to in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's just, you know, a function of how it's evolved over the years and maybe. Since you mentioned 1985, some of the changes that happened since then. So. Yeah. 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 yeah well, it's been carved up. You know, it used to be much. Yeah. Better. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, parts of it became New Orleans Square, and then parts of it became um, Bear Country, and then Critter Country, yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, now parts of it are Star Wars and. Right. So. Yeah. And uh, my favorite place to hang out as a kid. I've told you this story. We we talk often, Ray and I. You know, yeah. I mean, we, you know, and, and some of the things we talk about in private, we can talk about during the podcast, and some of the things we won't. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just yeah. just to let you know up front, um, I used to hang out there a lot as a kid. That was my favorite place to go and just run around. It's the best playground in the world. All the tunnels and the and there were no guardrails up on Castle Rock, yeah, and there was right. there was People today would freak out. Parents would. There was a there was a rock called Teeter Totter Rock yep. that you could ride on, and it was way up high. It was like it was like imagine putting a teeter totter on the roof of your house, right? And then you would you'd climb up these rock steps, and you get up there on this rock that would teeter totter back and forth. And I I can't imagine how many kids got their fingers smashed or. <laughs> oh, or I know it's it's amazing. I mean, it was amazing. It really no, was. No guardrails or anything like that. Yeah. And, well, you know, and I, I did two stints on Tom Sawyer Island. Um, huh? One, I spent a summer there working when they when they uh, removed Fort Wilderness. Right. And uh, and then uh, I spent several months there when Pirate's Lair was added in mm-hmm. 2006. So, 2006. Yeah. So um, that uh, those were my two summers spent on Tom Sawyer Island and uh, you know I get there I get there early in the morning we'd start at like at 5 36 a.m. and just you know work all day and then uh, knock off because the contractors usually start early so everybody everybody gets going really early and so Uh and then and then of course toward the end the closer you get to opening a project then of course it becomes all-nighters and crazy hours and things like that so Mm -hmm. you know right yeah Crunch time. Crunch time. They call yeah. it. Yeah. It's the last five percent that seems to take up a lot of the time, you know. Right. Unfortunately, because that's when the details come in. That's when the the final final stuff that you see and mm-hmm. guests look at, and you know, that's when the that's when the jewel jewels come in. The rest is sort of the backdrop, but, mm-hmm. but really it's that last five ten percent that um, you know that's the stuff that takes time and and it just does. So. Right. Right. Yeah. 
So for, for people that don't know, why why is Fort Wilderness not open to the public anymore? Do you know the reasoning behind that? Well, you know, I, I, I've kind of lost track of, of that. I know that, um, you know, at Disneyland, obviously it was, it was removed uh, because it was falling apart. And there was an incident, a safety incident that happened. Uh, I heard as about well. that. Yeah. Your child, and uh, I think with with uh, the years that had been there, and you know the ravages of time and termites and weather and everything right. else, you know it it the decision was made to to tear it down. And right. uh, when that came when that came down, that decision, I was in my office one day and I thought about it, and I just thought, you know, um, if you're going to take something out. You might as well, I mean, to be fair to the guests, that was, <laughs> to be fair to the guests, um, you know, you want to give something back. I think right. if you're going to remove something, it's it's not good policy to just remove it and not do anything to replace what you've removed or, right. you know, add to the rest of the park. Do something, you know, to say, mm-hmm. hey, we realize we're taking this out, but here we're doing something else to, to give it back. So. Uh, I did a few sketches and, you know, it was, it was not a lot, but um, we created some climbing structures on Castle Rock and some of the other rocks there and tried to really, uh, you know, integrate uh, some shipwrecks, a little bit of shipwreck stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it at least provides some climbing opportunities and some alternate paths that weren't there before for children right. and yeah. adults to enjoy. So, mm-hmm. um you know, that project was given a green light. And uh, so that was my first summer was working on working right. on all that, that overlay. Right. And uh, so um, that was that was that. And then my second stint on Tom Sawyer Island was 2005, 2006. Uh, that coincided with the premiere, world premiere of Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Yeah, um, that was a big to do. That put was a big, screen up on the islands and then had the yeah. whole premiere there at Disneyland. That was, yeah, that was a big that deal. Was, that was a big deal. <clears throat> so, um, that project was inspired by, by our chairman of parks and resorts at the time, Jay Rizzullo, who, mm-hmm. who came to Imagineering and said, okay, we're going to put pirates on Tom Shore Island. Here's some money and you have, you know, X number of months to do it. And so, right. He went away, and we sat there and scratched our heads. And somehow, I got involved in that <laughs> in that project. And and uh, well, I'm glad yeah. you were because it could have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least you care. You know, you could you you went in there. And you you, you, you uh, I, I've often said this about uh, Pirate's Lair is that it's it's a it's a bad idea that's very well executed. Oh well, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> And, and, and you know, I know it wasn't your idea. And well, I mean, it was it was uh, obviously to sort of co- coincide with that with that premiere and, right. and bring more pirates to to Disneyland. The pirate so, fever. Yeah. So pirate pirate fever and dinosaurs are things that kind of resurface. You know, in alternating. You know, yeah, it's like that. You do. It's a yeah. cycle. It's, it's a cyclical a cycle. thing. So, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, so with the pirates, um, you know, we we started doing a lot of research on pirates and trying to understand and and 
really understand if pirates uh, uh, were part of uh, the, the culture of New Orleans and that that area of the country and mm-hmm. when and and you know because you don't think of pirates as being necessarily you know trolling the the coast of, of the U.S. You think of them as being someplace else on the high sea and right. Yeah, and and so um, you know, we wanted to understand if there was some some legitimacy to tie into uh, Huck Finn and the Mississippi River and understand all all of that. You know, if right. there was if there was a link, you know, something to, it, something to hang the theme. Yeah, on. yeah, and if you can find that, then great. And I think that if it's rooted in some kind of history. You know, you can get a little bit of credibility out of it, even even if you push the story and the characters to to this far out place that never existed. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly have some, having some kind of credibility with a name or a location, uh, you know, is helpful. So, we spent we spent a fair amount of time doing that, doing that research, and yeah. we did we did find some loose some kind of loose ties that kind of sort of you know would legitimize yeah. a little bit of what we were doing and of course with pirates of the caribbean the attraction um you know right across the right across the river there uh and and new orleans square you know mm-hmm. there, there, there's there's a tie there's a tie in there as well so um we just thought okay well let's just have some fun with it and we'll make some fun pirate stuff and do some fun interactives and you know leave the nucleus of of Tom Sawyer Island intact, but mm-hmm. bring some pirate elements to it that suggest right. another, another time and another life and another place right. that's on a, on a more, um, uh, uh, I, I would say a, a hidden level, but not really. It's just, it's just a, it's a, it's a layer of theming that needs to be discovered as you're, as you're, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, walk around yeah. the island. So, and then, and then of course tying in, you know the the movie franchise as well, and some of the history of 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 the pirates according to the movie franchise. You know we wanted to integrate some of that in there as well. So you know it's it's commonly done. You see it in the you see it in the attraction pirates. Uh, right. You know you see it in just a lot of attractions now get a, an overlay that involves a intellectual property of the day, and so um, right. it's not uncommon. That's that's sort of what we did, right? Yeah. Well, like I said, is 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 really well done, and and there were pirates uh, on the river. There were yeah. river pirates, and there yeah. were pirates on the Missouri and the Mississippi River, and right. <clears throat> and Tom and Huck, you know, they talk about wanting to play pirate all the they, they played pirate all the time, and sure. But the the pirates on the Mississippi on the Mississippi River were not the no. Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, because, it wasn't Blackbeard. No, it wasn't Blackbeard. <laughs> You know, <laughs> or even Jack Sparrow. It was no, not that, no. that kind of uh, what no, we think of from of the golden age of piracy, which was uh, yeah more the, than a hundred years earlier than the than romantic golden age of piracy. Antic gold, which I bet was really not all that romantic golden <laughs> if you happened to be there at the time. Well, it's romantic to us, just like it's interesting because you know you're you're a fan of great classic illustration, like I am, and and it, what we think of. As pirates, we owe yeah. pretty much to two guys 
Uh, one's name is Howard Pyle, and the other one's name is N.C. Wyeth, who is basically a, a protege student of Howard Pyle's. Mm -hmm. And they are the ones who, in the public imagination, created the look of what we think of when we think of pirate. And then, yeah. uh, and then Hollywood comes along and says, well, what do pirates look like? Well, hey, look at these books. There's this great book by Howard Pyle. <laughs> it's got all these illustrations. Yeah. You know, Treasure Island, illustrated by N.C. Wyeth, which has got, the, oh, look, that's what pirates look like. And when yeah. they did the Disney uh, um, uh, Treasure Island, you can tell they were looking at the book because they yeah. really have the costuming, everything, uh, yeah. uh, uh, the coloring, all of it. <clears throat> is is yeah. that's that's who we owe that to you know yeah well good you know i think it's good <laughs> it's good stuff i mean i mean i think and the we Pirates have of the a... caribbean too i mean we, we, i remember reading when mark davis was uh, researching pirates of the caribbean you know characters He's like well real pirates were not that you know it wasn't all that interesting so they went with more of the fictional um yeah. our pile and yeah <laughs> and type pirates yeah. pirates of the well, group and, and I think they're, you know, for people to kind of digest and and, and, and understand something, I think there has – things kind of default to a very shorthand mm -hmm. vision of, of, of things, you know. Right. a visual shorthand, a kind a of a symbolic – yeah, so yeah. we understand at a glance what we're, what we're looking at. And, and, and taking that into the train world, right. you know, people, people, media, shows, books – they still typically, for at least for children, illustrate using a steam engine. Everything's right. about a choo-choo train. Right. Well, railroads haven't ordered steam engines in what eighty years. Yeah, but they're so cool. They are. They're. I mean, they're awesome. <laughs> they're. They are so cool. But I. <laughs> but I think there's a shorthand for for a train that's kind of right. like the shorthand for the pirate. I mean, you. Mm -hmm. You know, in, well, in in kind of the general public's mind. Yeah. Right. There's a shorthand. There's a very similar sort of shorthand mythology for the American West as well, bringing that back around to that, yeah. uh, that that we owe mostly to Frederick Remington and Charlie Russell and and the dime novels of, uh, of yeah, yeah. The earlier era. And then Hollywood looking at that and creating that look uh, for the Western, you know. You know, people. You, you say cowboy. People think of John Wayne. John Wayne wasn't a cowboy. He was an actor. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> he didn't even like horses. But um, so it's very much. There's a great line. And speaking of John Wayne in the movie, uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Kind of the whole point of the whole movie is when you know, when the legend becomes real. You know, you print the legend. Yes. Yeah. Kind of what we're we're talking about. You know, people. Yeah. That's yeah. what they expect. That's what the public wants. And right. Right. As popular artists, damn it, we give it to them. <laughs> well, and, and, and getting back to Pirate's Lair on Thompson Island, um, yes. I worked with a couple of collaborate collaborators creatively mm -hmm. that were that were um, outstanding. Chris Runko is yeah. is a longtime Imagineer, and uh, uh, and Chris Merritt, who yeah. who's uh, done a lot of great things in Imagineering and mm -hmm. also has written a couple books on uh, yes. various themed entertainment subjects. Yes, and, I, uh, I have them on my shelf. Do you? Excellent. Yes. I so, love, I, yeah, great stuff. So great guys and great collaborators. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun uh, doing that. And I know that your audience probably likes to hear 
Disney Imagineering stories and Disney behind the scenes stories and things. Do you like have that. any of those? I, I think I could come up with some. <laughs> I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just want to make sure. Great. I just want to make sure that we that we uh, we keep you know we keep your your guests entertained as well as getting That's a important. little bit of history lesson. So yeah. 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 So. Well, tell me, tell me, yeah, I like those behind-the-scenes imaginary stories. Chris yeah. Merritt, who who I follow and interact with uh, on Twitter, uh, is uh, you know he he posted the map that he did of right. uh, of Tom Sawyer Island, uh, a pirate's lair, yeah, trademark on Tom Sawyer Island. And I noticed I, I mentioned it's like, and I it was so subtle that I didn't say to say, oh, you left the fort out. Was it was the plan at the time to tear the fort down? And he says, no, look again, it's there. It's just hidden behind some trees you can't really <laughs> see the whole thing because at the time he said he remembered that the fate of the fort hadn't quite been decided yet they were they might right. have torn it down but they needed it for uh they use it for phantasmic people that don't know oh yeah yeah the cast and everything gets uh gets costumed up and stuff back there no it's interesting i mean that island is alive during phantasmic with people mm -hmm. right from one side to the other and you know uh when I was working nights down there, yeah, uh, on Pirate's Lair, you know, we would have to sort of juggle our hours uh, based on uh, Fantasmic, and right. uh, it was it was pretty. It's pretty wild. It's an amazing show, and it it uh, the the behind the scenes action of people running back and forth, and you know, changes to this scene and that scene and things yeah. going on. It's it's very very uh, well orchestrated, and and if you just stepped. If you just stepped into that backstage area on on the island when the show's gone without any knowledge of the show, it seems very chaotic. But but they've got it figured out, and it's a great show. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I bet people trip over roots every now and then when they're running around. <laughs> yeah, it's not your typical Broadway show, you know. No, where there's, no, it's no not. there's there's these are dirt paths with you know there's roots and stuff and uh, yeah. And they try to minimize that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's yeah. that's true. Fantasmic is a great show. And yeah. as of this recording, it is dark right now. And we, we are all hoping that it comes back soon. Yeah. Because it's a it's a it's a great show there. Keeps people in the park later in the day, too, I think. Yeah, no, it's a great show. It's a great yeah. show. So yeah. yeah. So um I guess getting back to the Pirates Lair, you know, we decided that uh we take advantage of areas that really didn't have a whole lot going on one of them was engine mm -hmm. joe's cave engine joe's cave which they would have had to change anyway yeah that's correct because uh, of the the, in the sensitivity of the, of the name it's yeah. yeah yeah and 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 you know a lot of that stuff was you know original to yeah and 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 it was very interesting to sort of peel away the layers and see what was really under under the facades that you see, you know, in, in the tunnel, um, right. you know, in particular, uh, you know, which goes from one side of the island to the other, yeah. um, uh, you know, all of that had to be opened up to put in our, our little show effects uh, mm -hmm. that, that, that were integrated into the, in, into what we, what we called, uh, what did we call that? Wasn't it Joe's cave? It was, it was, it's, um, Someone, some people are out there shouting at their. Yeah, they're shouting. And, right now, the name that we I can't the, think I of. I did the marquee for it. And I can't think of it. <laughs> Pirates Grotto. The Pirates, Pirates, Pirates Grotto. Grotto. 
yeah, Pirate's daughter. Um, but uh, you know, we had to we had to create space to integrate our show pieces in there, and each one has some. Did they actually? I'm sorry to interrupt. But did they have to actually like rip the roof off of the tunnels? Because mm-hmm. it, like you said, it's a tunnel that goes all the way through uh, mm-hmm. the island. No, you didn't have to dig the no. whole thing up. I don't recall. It's the quite roof. a bit bigger now. It is bigger. Yeah, yeah, it had to it had to be opened up. You know, just you know, for 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 um, a lot of reasons. But but it just when it was built, things were just smaller and people were smaller, and right. and so. You know, you, you know, you, you have to go through these things and say, OK, is this is this going to be something that everybody can enjoy or mm-hmm. it, are are there areas that are grandfathered in that may not allow a wheelchair or someone with a disability to enjoy? We had to right. we had to we had to work to accommodate, um, you know, those issues. And uh, yeah, it's it's bigger. But but really, there wasn't a lot of work done beyond the original uh, uh, walls, the unthemed walls of that mm-hmm. of that tunnel. So yeah. it was just a matter of opening up where we could, and then and then uh, right. integrating the show pieces where we could. And yeah. there's some really clever effects in there too. Pepper, yeah. uh, Pepper's ghost is used. There's some things that you know that you touch it and it and it creates a thing. You know, right. A, a little effect and stuff. Great stuff. It, I love fun. that kind of old school just. Because they got, I mean, in a place like that, it's got to be very durable. You know, it's got to last. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. it can't be that complicated. It can't be some big elaborate computer controlled effect. You can't have big animatronics in there and stuff. It's no. got to be fairly basic. No, you're right. I mean, and, and whatever you think is bulletproof in in the real <laughs> world, it needs to be a lot more than that in the theme park world. because. Right. People touch things, they grab things, they pull things, they do things that you can't imagine, and and mm-hmm. over and over, 16 hours a day. And so, right. uh, there's there's some durability issues that need to be factored in, and that's that's why with the effects in Engine Joe's Cave, we have a little thing where you reach in to a treasure, you reach in through a little opening, and there's right. a treasure chest, and then it disappears when you stick your hand in there. Right. Um, you know, there's a couple other things, but. Um, they, they really have to be uh, uh, limited and scaled down to um, to a point where they really there's not much leverage to do damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not that people are intentionally thinking I'm going to do damage to this. It's just yeah. it's just human nature and curiosity and people being right. people. And, you know, you just have to be aware of that. And, do you find having to work within those kind of parameters that forces you to be more creative to come up with solutions? I think so. I yeah. mean, for for me, for me in particular, I I, I like parameters. I yeah. like I like I like things like that because I think that um, you have to think a little harder, and and maybe yeah. there's there's uh, you know other points of view that 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 will help you get to a solution and, and it's always mm-hmm. fun to, to hear those as well. And so, um, yeah, I, I think parameters like that are great. I, I, uh, I really enjoy that, but it's, yeah. you know, that, that's part of the fun. It's a challenge. I mean, I think everybody likes a challenge. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, one, one challenge that I had working on the island, and this was not on the pirates overlay. This was on, uh, the, the other stint I had where we were, building the climbing structures on mm-hmm. Newcastle Peak and, and, and around some of the other things. Right. There was a 
there was an initiative to, um, well, first of all, I will tell you that uh, Teeter Totter Rock yes. was locked off during my tenure on yeah. the island, you know, because for safety, you know, they had, mm-hmm. because, because safety was, because there was an incident at the fort mm-hmm. uh, where yeah. somebody had, had an accident. Um, yeah. You know, the safety, of course, is, 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 is paramount. It's the top of, it's at the top of the list in terms of, you know, what, what um, the operators of the park are concerned about. They want to make sure everybody's safe. And so right. we did a lot of work on the island to um, make the rock work conform to more safety standards, which is mm-hmm. pretty difficult because you take an organic thing that can be really big and really round and, and have a shape that nobody could predict right and, and then you want it to conform to a standard for stairs in a building it doesn't work that way so uh, right you know but that's that's the themed entertainment business yeah it really is <laughs> that's so, what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> and so uh yeah a lot of those a lot of those issues uh, are are driving some of the things that go on uh, you know behind the scenes and and uh so um, you, you know, um, just just to back up a second, when we when we put the the climbing structures on on Castle Castle Peak there, Castle Rock, I mean, um, uh, it was the first time that any of those uh, you know any any of those tunnels or players had had been opened up since the park was built. Yeah, I mean, literally, they they hadn't been touched, and so. Uh, when when the, 1956 is when Tom Sawyer yeah. opened originally. Yeah. So um, I will say that when when the plaster was cut away to to add stairway or something, and there's you see two by six wood mm-hmm. framing holding the thing up. I mean, it was it was a technology that was back in the day, and that's what right. that's what people did. I mean, it was two by sixes and nails and all kinds of stuff, chicken wire and all kinds of stuff. Right. But uh, the interesting thing about the rock work on Topshire Island is that uh, none of it that I ever saw had been really uh, rotted away. It was all just as if, amazing as, as if it was laid, you know, the day before. It was. I was just going to say that it's amazing that it held up as well as it did for 50 years. Yeah, I thought so, too. I mean, it was oh. it was shocking, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, today's standards you know, you'd require footings 10 feet deep and six mm-hmm. feet wide and 10 tons of rebar and, all, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, the stuff back then, it wasn't that way. It was, okay, lay the two by sixes on the ground. Okay. Right. I mean, it was minimal, it was minimal compared to today's standards. So it was, right. it was interesting. It was kind of like going back in a time machine and, and mm-hmm. looking at what, what, uh, what was going on back, back then. And, right. uh, well, and, and those construction methods, by the way, is one of the reasons the fort uh, is not there anymore is because it was, I don't know if our East Coast uh, listeners <clears throat> know this, if they've been to Disney World, Magic Kingdom there, the fort there is made of fiberglass. Mm-hmm. The one in Anaheim was made of real logs. It was built by yeah. guys who knew how to build real log structures out of rough hewn. They used axes and everything. If you look at some of the old historic uh, footage of when they were building Disneyland, right. yeah, they, uh, it's all real it was real wood, and of course, real wood is is what termites eat. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't eat fiberglass. No, no but they, they do like they do like that yummy, yummy 
Yummy wood. And um, yeah, we got some, sure we got some uh, termites out here on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, termites. Yeah, they, they, they like they like real wood. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when when uh, when I worked on on Big Thunder and we we redid uh, Rainbow Ridge, most of the, yeah. most of the most of the buildings there had to be replaced. They were completely, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. damaged by termites and weather, and right. you know, they were really in sad shape. So, I think most people assume you just repainted them, but no, those are yeah for the, about ninety percent or more just new new building Brand new. yeah yeah went exactly. back to the original blueprints and said okay yep. we're gonna we're gonna rebuild these yeah exactly. i'm glad i'm glad that was uh i'm glad that was carved out of the budget because big yeah. thunder without rainbow ridge just wouldn't be wouldn't be the same no it would be it it would be uh walt disney world <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh uh, no, it's true no it's true showing though. my west coast prejudice ah well you know i uh, can't help it yeah it's, as, you know, if I had, if I, if I, if I could, if I was king of Disneyland, I like to play this game. If I was king of Disneyland, I would bring the fort back, but I would bring it back um, themed and built like the Redwood Creek Challenge Trail mm-hmm. buildings with the, the towers and everything and the net, so the, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like that, where it's very safe. And kids can't get hurt, but they can fun, have a lot of fun and run around and go up and down. And right. I, I would rebuild it like that if yeah. if if I were king of Disneyland. But uh, yeah. I'm not. They haven't called me yet. So I'm just no. throwing that out there to the universe. If, if Fantasmic ever finds another place uh, to stage from, uh, please bring the fort back in some form. That would be great. It, it, it would be great. I mean, it was really it was very iconic. You don't have to bring the flintlocks back or anything, but you know something yeah. for kids to run around in there would be great. Yeah, that'd be great. And speaking of Chris Runko, um, he was instrumental in the design of the Redwood Wood Creek Challenge Trail as mm-hmm. well. So he has sort of a knack for interactives and people places and yeah, see, stuff I love like that, that kind of stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. love walk through. Uh, areas and attractions and i think they they, they're highly underrated i I, like flat rides i also like flat rides i think those are underrated too and i was talking to jim scholl about this it's like why you know (laughs) people get all excited about roller coasters and the big shows and stuff but the big part of what makes a park special are those 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 environments that you walk through you know yep uh, Disneyland Paris, I think, has reached the apex of that with uh, their Adventure Island. Uh, that, that's yeah, all the caves and the ship and the tree houses. It's just amazing integration of all that. It's just really, yeah. really nicely done. Well, and I think I think what's nice about those kind of areas too is that it allows you to have your own adventure. You know, right. You have choices. You can look at stuff. You can do this. You can do that, and and you can be in that place mm-hmm. as yourself and enjoy it without being told what, you know, what to see, what to think, what to do. Right, and you can or, spend as long as you want. Right, exactly, and and I think that's I think that's really great because yeah. it makes it a much more personal, you know, experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm with you on that one. I dig that stuff. And I think a Galaxy's Edge could benefit from a flat ride. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, why not? I got an idea for a droid spinner. It's like it's like <laughs> you get a bunch of oh, the R2s in the middle, you know, you know, one little R2 unit, and then it's like it's like made by the locals for local children out of old parts of droids, and it spins around, and you get to ride it, and uh, 
kind of, wow. kind of like a, a homemade uh, rocket jets kind of thing. Right. Just a, it, the land needs kinetics, in my opinion. It needs two things. It needs kinetics, and it needs the blaring John Williams overture when you walk through those tunnels. Yeah. I don't know if they do that or not, but well, I, I, I mean, don't think. I, I think there's something very iconic about those things. And, yes. Uh, and uh, I think that, um, you know, I think when you go to Disneyland, I mean, being a veteran of, of DC, California Adventure, DCA mm-hmm. one and two, yeah, yeah. and two, mm-hmm. but being adventure, being a being a being a veteran of DCA one, um, very quickly because that park was, it was kind of, uh, it, it it was kind of, you know, I don't know how to I don't know how to say this, but but. Uh, yeah, you do. You it, just don't want to. Well, it, it didn't, <laughs> when it first when it opened in two thousand one, it it, yeah. it didn't have a lot of Disney in it. There weren't characters walking around. There wasn't a, a lot of familiar faces. It was mm-hmm. just it was different. And, Lacked warmth. And that was and that was um, you know at the time that was that was intentional. And yeah. you know it's obvious that people people go to Disney to see Disney. You know, right. people people want to see Disney, and they want to see the Fab Five. They want to see uh, things that are familiar and comfortable to them, and nostalgic. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> yeah. so, to your point about about Star Wars, you know, hearing that overture and seeing the classic stuff, there's yeah. something very iconic and comfortable about that. And yeah. and yeah. you know, um, and so, I under, yeah. I 100 understand the reasoning behind why they did it they wanted everything in the land to be in universe they wanted it all to uh, be you know as immersive and realistic as possible <clears throat> but my argument against that is well when you're playing star wars with your little action figures at home what are you humming you know when you're a kid and you get to the justice even if you play it it doesn't take you out of the experience because you're hearing it inside your own head. Mm. <laughs> does yeah. that make sense? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That makes perfect sense. You know? no, it really does. So, so, it really you know, does. You know, at least in the interest of this should be playing it. I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe they yeah, do. I, don't, I haven't been there and back, back there yeah. in a while. Well, I, I don't know either. But, but um, yeah, there there is. I, and I think getting back to Disney parks and Disneyland yeah. and Magic Kingdom and and um, – you know those places in particular. Um, there's a comfort level with sort of that Disney DNA. I mean, right. people kind of want to. They want it's comfortable. And I and I may have told you this before, but I had a number of people tell me um, that you know these are just guests, people that I've met. And they, they, yeah. they they told me, look, the first time I. The first time I walked down Main Street was the first time I felt safe in my life because right. they, because of whatever experiences in childhood they had or, you know, I felt like I was home. Mm-hmm. And there's something about there's something about the comfort of tradition, I think, and 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 warmth that that people they want to feel cared about and taken care of, and and right. that's why that's why. Um, the iconic stuff from some of this intellectual property. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you want to kind of take the greatest hits and like right. the stuff coming in your mind when you're playing with your with your Star Star Wars action figures. You know, it's that right. stuff. 
it's all it's all being familiar and all being right. safe and comfortable in that world and yeah yeah, is that what John Hench meant when he said the architecture of reassurance? It's like Maybe, it's reassuring yeah. you that uh, everything is going to be okay. This no, that's is a, a safe. That's, this that's is a, a safe term. place. Yeah, that's a great term. I mean, it really is. I think yeah. so. Yeah. He said that's so. what he that's he he was I think he said that's what makes Disney successful, Disneyland successful, is that it it reassures people that. The universe makes sense and everything's going to be okay. And, you know, like you said, the people feel safe. I yeah. put it another way. I say Disneyland, Disneyland feels kind. When you walk onto Main Street, it's like, this This is a place that cares about how I feel. Yeah. Well, that's, that's. At least it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah. And, and really yeah. that's, that's, um, that's a really important thing. Cause it's an incredibly lose- powerful thing. It is, yeah, you know, and if you lose that, then yeah, you've yeah. lost the main thing. Yeah, and, and uh, that's, um, you know, this is Walt Disney was a very savvy guy, as far as he knew what people wanted in movies, and he knew what people wanted in in a, in a space in a park. Right, and he knew that you had to make an emotional connection with yeah. guests, and and. That's what we're talking about. It makes a very, very strong emotional connection. And this is why fans get so up in arms when things change, because we were asked to make an emotional connection to this place, to fall in love with this place. And then here you're going to come and change it. And there goes my childhood and yada, yada, yada. And But uh, where was I going? But yeah, it, 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 it asks you to become emotionally invested in it but and because it wouldn't work otherwise if it didn't it'd just be a roller coaster park it'd be a six flags or not to diss right. six flags but it's not the same right. thing right it doesn't ask you to become involved it's not it's not looking for a relationship no and and, and <laughs> you know it, it was described and i think i think this is walt's description i i, I may be wrong but the, the sort of four levels of of detail uh you you, you, you you know you're approaching the town you see the trees you see the bush you see the sign that says welcome to smallville you know whatever it is welcome right. to willoughby yeah willoughby um you get into town you see the church steeple over the trees yeah go closer you see the church right. and then you go to the door and you touch the doorknob you know that's mm-hmm. the touch right there and, right. and if you miss those steps mm-hmm. you don't have that connection and i think that's one thing that disney's done really well is is create those steps and um, you know hopefully that will that will continue Um, i certainly hope so yeah i certainly hope so too yeah well let's uh let's go to the future now you want to go to the future we've been we've been talking the past we've been talking pirates and cowboys and tom sawyer and uh, let's go to tomorrowland okay uh because the number one thing that fans want to see come back and it'll never happen yeah. is the people. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you have any insight into that or not, but could you explain if you can, and if you can't, we'll make something else up. Yeah. <laughs> why well, the people move in uh, it's in the original form will never come back. I don't know if I can explain that, but I do know that, um, <laughs> honestly, I don't, I, I don't know, but yeah. I think there has to be, I think there has to be a willingness somewhere mm-hmm. 
uh, up at the top for that yeah. to come back, and yeah. and a, and an awareness of what that could be and what it means and what it meant to people. Mm-hmm. Because you know the whole thing about the people mover in the in, in Tomorrowland back back in the fifties and sixties was you know Walt liked to educate and entertain and. Right. There was something very aspirational about Tomorrowland. You could fly to the moon, which hadn't been done. You could right. go under the ice cap in a submarine, which was right. part of the uh, culture back. I mean, there was a whole thing about exploration and limits right. and mm-hmm. you know the possibilities of right. uh, the possibilities of the future that were mm-hmm. positive, you know, aspirational and also romanticized in in movies and science fiction and things like that. So. Um, and, and the the beauty of the people mover was the kinetics that it provided in in the land. Right, you, know, right. you, you weren't reliant on on you know hopping in an automobile or doing this. You hop on the people mover. I mean, this is the future, and it moves you from mm-hmm. place to place, and you see all right. this cool stuff, and things are moving around, and that the the the, the sense of movement was just so dynamic. Right. And it went through other attractions. And it since it was through. such a super high capacity ride, there was never a line. You just you could just right. go up the speed ramp and right. uh, and and just get on it. There's something so and spend great 15 of- minutes really relaxing and just yeah. cruising around. It was great. And then and then uh, later in its life, you go through the super speed tunnel, which was uh, which was cheesy. Come on. It was not. <laughs> it was, I, I know. It was a, it was a good idea, poorly executed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, honestly, this was before the days of uh, projection mapping technology that we have right. today. So it was they did yeah. they did what they could with what they had at the time, and it was it was not. Like, it didn't fool me. <laughs> it didn't fool me either, but I, I appreciate the you know the effort. Um, but 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 I don't pretend to know all the nuances of what yeah. what the people mover the track and the infrastructure and all the stuff right. that they say uh, I've heard that you know uh, well here's what I've heard I'll, and I'll, I just the basic basically it's that with the current requirements for the guest envelope mm-hmm. uh, the clearances are way too tight inside the buildings mm-hmm. uh, that's problem one problem two is that the rocket rods did considerable damage to the infrastructure of the track mm-hmm. and a lot of it would just have to be re- ripped out and replaced at, at great cost yeah uh, and and so since you can't go through the buildings and the track is in not great shape that's why it's probably not coming back not on that track anyway yeah yeah, yeah well also um uh you know to kind of add to that conversation um those are things that I, I had heard as well. And I know that, you know, the issue with the clearance envelope around yeah. the vehicle, yeah. you know, those have gotten bigger and bigger. Yeah. And the yeah, reach, the yeah. reach, yeah, yeah, the reach envelope, you know, that you, you've mm-hmm. got to have so much distance between the ride vehicle and anything physical that you pass. And, and, and you know, I remember being a kid and being able to reach out and feel the stucco mm-hmm. <laughs> from the people over. <laughs> As you talk about making things being durable yeah kids are going to do that they're going to reach way out and, and you know feel and, the and, wall as you go through and and you know um the assumption is is that you know you you have somebody who's in the top 
10% of height and reach and that, and then you extrapolate that out into how far can they lean out of this vehicle. And pretty right. soon you're looking at, you know, four, four feet on either side or whatever it is. Right. And there's no restraints in that vehicle either. So you yeah. could stand up and reach out and people did. So pretty soon you have, you have what, what would be something that, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, needed a much smaller area to move through is, 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 is now quite large. And, uh, you know, when I worked on, uh, Matterhorn, you know, we had some issues yeah. with, with that too, to, to really conform with, um, right. you know, what the expectation was because, you know, you don't want people to, to get injured. I mean, you just no. don't. And, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I could see that and, and, and touching all those buildings and making all those modifications and redoing the I, it would be hugely expensive. I, I mean, I they would have to tear down. Um, at least three buildings, mm-hmm. the Star Tours, the uh, Buzz Lightyear, and and uh, the Circle Vision. Theater. Circle all, Vision would yeah. all have to be torn down in order to accommodate a, a bigger and better track. Yeah. Which I'm not saying that shouldn't be done anyway. The Circle yeah. Vision Theater definitely needs to go. Uh, but I know. guess if you have a people mover, you want to have places for them to move to. Or to through. go, right? Yeah. I think I think they should I think they should build a people mover, but it should be a real transportation system, and it should go from the parking structures to the Esplanade on the tram route. Interesting. Because they're having troubles with the trams anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they're not the reason the trams aren't back. This is just a rumor. I'm going to preface this by saying this is a rumor. I do not know if this is true, but that uh, rats ate the wiring <laughs> while they were parked for, you know, over a year uh, wow. and they weren't maintained. I don't know if this is true, but that's what I heard. And that's why the trams aren't back. And I also heard that they might be bringing electric ones out from Florida to replace the ones they had there, the diesel powered yeah. ones. But I think they should build a people mover. All right. That's what it was supposed to do. We'll Move put that people. on the list. Yeah, could, you, could we add that to the list? You know, the you know the <laughs> other thing, Dave, is that um, speaking of you know somebody at the top who would champion something like this, yeah, um, they would have to be they would have to be understand the value versus the cost because right. when we did uh, when we redid DCA and converted the front of the park to, to mm-hmm. Buena Vista Street and did all that and then added Cars Land. Right. Um, at least with the front of the park, uh, you know, there were those who said, well, why, why should we spend this money? We're not, we're not increasing the capacity. Mm-hmm. We have our shops, you know, right. we're not adding a new, we're, we're not adding a new ride. We're not generating capacity. You're just changing the look of everything. And right. so why should we pay to do that? Right. And it was a considerable amount of money. It was a considerable amount of money. And but 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 people and, uh, you know, Bob Iger at the time realized that there's value in in creating Disney DNA and creating a place that, you know, you're going to get a lot lot more people to come through there, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether you're increasing capacity in that specific area. And so he he championed it and was willing to spend the money to do it. And right. And so you, you've got to have somebody who understands 
the value of something relative to what you spend. And mm -hmm. there's also the, you know, the cachet of goodwill that people, you know, feel and appreciate. And, right. you know, they, you can't, you might not be able to quantify those things mm -hmm. uh, to, to an accountant, but there's, there's value in, in that. And, uh, right. You have to understand that mm -hmm. in the long term, it's probably a wise thing to do. So. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and it's a reductive argument too, because you can say, "Well, why change anything? Why, why bother? <laughs> well, why bother theming it at all? Yeah. Why build, yeah. Why build a theme park? You know, yeah. I, <laughs> it's like the yeah. it's like a, going. Here's a good Walt quote. Uh, apparently, the contractor when he was building the tunnel for the Carrollwood Pacific in his yard, you know, said, "You know, it'd be a lot cheaper if we built it straight." And, you know, Walt famously said, well, pal, <laughs> if I was worrying about saving money, I would be building the railroad in my backyard. <laughs> yeah, you know, perfect. It's kind of the same thing. I said, well, if you're not going to do it right, yeah. don't bother to do it. Don't do yeah. it. Put a, plunk a couple of roller coasters in a parking lot. Right. And, and have a midway, and, yeah. uh, which was not the idea that uh, they were going for. Yeah. So. No. I'll tell you my my brilliant idea for Tomorrowland. I'd love to hear it. Uh, <clears throat> I think because this solves a lot of problems. I was look I was looking at Google Earth as I want to do, mm -hmm. and I like I was looking at the monorail track. Here's what I would do. You know the monorail leaves the station, goes around, goes to the right around the monorail around the Matterhorn. Yep. I would take it left and make it circle in front of the entrance to Tomorrowland. And then go back out. This is assuming that all of the people mover track has been ripped out. And go back out uh, backstage, back around by uh, to Harbor Boulevard via the Space Mountain area. Well, I'm going to have to look at Google Earth. Yeah, I'm telling you, it would work. It would work. I was like, is it, could it turn sharp enough? Yeah, it already does when it goes around the Matterhorn. So, the, so you would have that great kinetics of the monorail passing right in front of the entrance to Tomorrowland kind of replacing the kinetics of the long lost people mover. Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, if it if it belongs anywhere, that's where it belongs. Yeah, it says, "Hey, yeah. it's the future." Yeah, it's the future. So. And uh, yeah, that's a, it's it's interesting. Tomorrowland's sort of a it's interesting because it's there's infinite things you could you could do there, and infinite directions you could take. But right. I don't know if anybody's really you know. A, really solved for that yet i mean there's a lot of dialogue and discussion um, it's, a, it's a moving target it's a moving target it really is and right. uh and is tomorrow a theme you know is yeah that, i mean it's it, okay it's is that a who I mean, it, when you pick a theme from the past or from 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 popular fiction you get a who what where when right why. you get all of those things built in right uh, but w when your theme is tomorrow right <laughs> you don't get any of that well your point of view too is i i think coming out of world war ii and yeah you know with this sort of the 50s thing and mm -hmm. you know expansion of, of suburbs right. and i mean there was there was kind of this optimism about the future and mm -hmm. you know i don't i don't know if that plays today and yeah I, well I, it's kind I, of I like manifested either because things happen so quickly you know right exactly 
Well, yeah, and and giving up on an aspirational view of the future, that's kind of like just throwing up our hands. Ah, well, what the heck? Yeah. uh, We can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You want to see Tomorrowland, you go to Shanghai or or go to uh, Singapore. Yeah. You know, that's the real Tomorrowland right there. that's be, that's why I, I used to be a big proponent of saying, oh, let's just you know, lean heavily into the mid-century modern, yeah. you know, make it make it the tomorrow that we all envisioned in in the 50s and 60s, and you know the bones are all there. It wouldn't be that it wouldn't be that hard to do. Yeah. I mean, full-on googie everything. Sure. And um, uh, but then it's the same thing. That's given up. It's like, uh, yeah, we, we don't have a vision. So we're gonna we're gonna go yeah. with the past. I mean, it's a good theme. It's a great. But it's theme. retro land. You know. It's it's retro land. Yeah. But I mean, it is a great theme. Yeah. But it is retro land, and right. you know. I, and the, I, but the alternative would be what? Um, make the whole place look like uh, uh, a Tesla or an Apple store. You know. <laughs> yeah, and and I get think SpaceX that, to be a, a sponsor and. Um, I, I think at one time, it, you know, there were some modifications and some paint changes in Tomorrowland that were kind of leaning on mm-hmm. Apple, you know, yeah. Apple industrial design and yeah. the colorations, you know, white with orange and white with blue and, you know, white with black, mm-hmm. things like that, you know, where everything was painted white. Yeah. You know, and 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 then, uh, you know, there really is, I think there really is a, some synergy between industrial design and what you see with Apple, for instance, and, yeah. and, and others, and, and the way people perceive design today. I mean, mm-hmm. there's something that's relatable about, because everybody's looking at their phone or, you know, right. working on their tablets and doing this and that, and there's something about the sort of digital technical thing that right. suggests tomorrow i mean there's something about it i think probably in people's mind it kind of mm-hmm. is. so i don't know it's like you said it's a moving target yeah there's and a lot I, of things they could do some stuff with big screens you know and do the the, the, the 3d projections on the on the wall yeah. on the sides of the buildings so like, like you see in uh, Times square and other places in las vegas and stuff it's all out there it's all it all can be done unfortunately you know in the, in the design world and i think for instance, um, Epcot Future World Communicor right. is sort of That's... a victim of being designed, uh, you know, with this sort of monolithic concrete, simple, mm-hmm. simple buildings, which were, yeah. you know, and, and it was all kind of pre-digital, pre, so you almost mm-hmm. have something that's outdated as soon as it comes out of the ground. And, right. you know, um, so how do you deal with that? You know, right. I, I, you know, it, it, there's, there's, I don't know how you predict the future without it looking like the past <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> well, you, you need a visionary. Yeah. You know, you need a visionary in charge. And unfortunately, he passed away in 1966. Right. <laughs> we, should go, we should go visit a bunch of psychic mediums and see how they can help us out. <laughs> There you go. What's the future going to be like? Uh, yeah. Grim. Go, I think they should go, to, go like a Blade Runner style kind of. Yeah. Uh, Blade Runner, uh, Mad Max. Dystopian. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always dark, always raining. 
confusing. Yeah, <laughs> post-apocalyptic. Uh, see, there's so many different ways you could go. I yeah, I, I like the design of Shanghai's Tomorrowland. I thought they did mm-hmm. well. That very sleek. Yeah. Know, nice. Clean. Very clean. Very, very sleek. clean. Yeah. Um, uh, I think if the, movie, I th- if the movie, the Brad Bird movie, Tomorrowland, yeah. had been a big hit, there was some nice design in that. I would have liked to see that. I thought there was some really nice design in that. But it I wasn't think, a big Here's what I think. I think everybody that enters Tomorrowland should be given a white toga. <laughs> <laughs> a white toga? Okay. And everybody everybody walks around in white togas, like sort of the future. You know? That's right. Or, or or silver lame jumpsuits <laughs> with white vinyl belts. <laughs> we Fantastic. talked about this before with the uh, the James Bond. Um, oh yeah. Doctor No. Blair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> James Bond Blair. And all the all the cast members are dressed like henchmen. They've got blue jumpsuits with white belts and white. Boots oh yeah yeah yeah. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> helmets. You know, maybe then, maybe rather than the the mountains of Disney, it's the layers of Disney. The layers, yes. So. And he turned Space Mountain into a volcano lair. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is my volcano lair. Yeah. For those of you kids at home who have not seen Doctor No, I highly recommend you. Go yeah, the watch. production design is is incredible. Right. Right. You know, if 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 you've seen uh, the Incredibles, the Incredibles. Incredible. Yeah. If you've seen the Incredibles, uh, yeah. there's there's similarities. There's a lot of nods to those old James Bond movies. In that, yep. Uh, you know, obviously, Brad Bird is a fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the James Bond movies. Yeah, no, for sure. So. Oh. So we didn't solve the uh, we didn't solve the Tomorrowland problem. No, but it's all great food for thought. And, it uh, is great food. For, it's a, it's an interesting thought experiment for those of us to like to think about these kind of things. Yeah. What would you do? I mean, what what would you do? Because it used to be, you know, I hate to sound like an old guy, but I'm an old guy. Uh, yeah. Back in my day, Tomorrowland was the most exciting land in the park. It was kind of, you know, everything was moving. There was color, especially at night. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. You'd plan Start. your day so you would end up in Tomorrowland at night, at right Start. around sunset. Starcade you know. was hopping. Starcade was hopping. Uh, yeah. The rocket jets up on, on top of the building. There's a few simple things that can be done. Get the Astro Orbit up off the ground, put it up high. Uh, where you, you know, uh, some sort of kinetics like a people mover or something. Doesn't have to be yeah. the same one in the same track. Yeah, no. Some aspirational, sciencey sort of uh, attractions, you know, uh, uh, a shrinking machine. <laughs> now, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Magnification. <laughs> <laughs> go on shrinking forever god i love that right but it was it was it was overrated people remember it this is, i've talked to other people about this. you have a fonder memory of it than it actually was it was pretty cheesy yeah i, I recall that as well. great and but it was free it was a free attraction and worth it yeah it was definitely worth it yeah yeah <laughs> but anyway I think uh, I think that whole part of the, of the park is going to become at least half of I think half of what is now Tomorrowland will become Fantasyland. Interesting. That's my, that's my prediction. Yeah, I I uh, 
I could see that. I mean, it, you know, there's From elements the of fantasy land. North. Well, I mean, yeah. if you think about it, you know, yeah. I mean, there was a debate whether Buzz Lightyear belonged in Tomorrowland. Because was there a debate? I heard, I heard quite a few people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm glad there was a debate because I don't yeah. think Buzz Lightyear belongs in Tomorrowland. Um, you know, so where does that line between Fantasyland and Tomorrowland, and you know, how do you how do you define that boundary? And um, now, on one hand, you'd say, okay, well, Buzz Lightyear is in outer space and flying around, and you know, mm-hmm. flying saucers, but they're toys, you know. It's a toy. Yeah. So that was yeah, kind of the whole so, point of the movie. You're not a yeah. space ranger. <laughs> You don't have lace shoot lasers and fly. Yeah. Oh, well, that was a bust. We didn't come up with any great solutions for that. How about a, how about if we go back to the sort of steampunk Jules Verne? Uh, no. <laughs> I think that's really a good try. Don't make me hurt. The the steampunk. I'm sorry. That that horse has left the barn. Mm-hmm. That train has has left the station. That ship has sailed. Steampunk yeah. is, is nothing screams 1990s like steampunk. Yeah. It, have just, you retired your top hat and goggles? Or? I still have my brass goggles. They're up on the wall but <laughs> in the studio. If you ever come visit again, I'll show yeah. them to you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've got some brass goggles. But no, steampunk is uh, no. I Yeah, it's it's been done to death. Yeah, I, and and I, you can't do it better than uh, Paris. No, the I original agree. version of, of of Discovery Land was well done steampunk. I thought. Yeah, I thought and so Bruce too. Burn and the HG Wells and all that it was it was it was well done. What they've done now, yeah, don't get me started. But. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm with you on that. One. <laughs> what do you think of the new Epcot? <laughs> well, well, I got you here. Yeah, I I wish I I wish I knew more about it. I I just don't. I yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, I spent some time at Epcot. I worked on uh, bringing, bringing Nemo uh, mm-hmm. to the seas and, yeah. uh, you know, a few other things there. And um, I really like Epcot. I mean, it's yeah. I, I, I really I really like Epcot. I just, uh, you know, unfortunately, since I left Disney, I just have not really followed what, yeah. what the current development is. You know, I've seen a few things here and there, but I just don't know enough about it to, to comment, honestly. Um, I'll just be curious to see, you know, to see what it what it is and what it means, you know, right. bringing uh, bringing guardians to is it the Energy Pavilion or Spaceship Earth or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, um, you know, it, 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 and I don't know how dedicated uh, how dedicated they are to maintaining uh the stories of each pavilion in future world or what those stories are going to become or what it all means i I just don't know i don't know Mm -hmm. but it's like when i worked on uh some some concepts for uh spaceship earth years ago um every you know, every every so often there's an increment of time where the corporate sponsors for each each attraction 
they uh, you know they they sign up for a certain number of years, and at the end of that right. time, they have a choice to resign or you know they get new corporate sponsors. And, and um, I did a bunch of stuff on Spaceship Earth, bunch of bunches kind of like Elvis paintings on velvet. Well, I worked on black <laughs> on black <laughs> black background. I did a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And the producer comes to me and he says, you know, God, those, the sponsors love that stuff. It's, you know, I, you know, I think we're okay. They're about the side on the, I thought, okay, great. And then he said, you know what I, what I realized about your work? And I said, what's that? And he said, well, when I walk up and get close to it, there's nothing there. <laughs> like yeah. an Elvis painting, you know, it's yeah. kind of the light on the dark and, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, so it's important to have the there there. And and I, I hope with the Epcot stuff they're doing now, there's there's a there there that there there's still kind of the story of the world and and right. kind of what that we're doing. aspirational future. Yeah, it's an aspirational thing, you know. And and right. that's what I really edutainment. Edutainment. Mm-hmm. That's what I really you know enjoy about Epcot. And so I'm just mm-hmm. I'm assuming that that you know the whole. The whole kind of global citizen right. thing is is maintained, and uh, and uh, you know we'll see. So, but like I said, Dave, I, I just don't know it, you know enough about it to to comment. I just don't know what's going on there. So. Well, let me ask you about some other stuff you don't know anything about. Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's not difficult to do. <laughs> Makes your job easy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no! You know the place I think that does uh, uh, aspirational and edutainment really well is the Kennedy uh, Space Center. All right, mm-hmm. which you had a little something to do with. Yeah. I did. I I uh, I worked on the uh, Apollo Saturn V show mm-hmm. there, and this mm-hmm. is in my pre-Disney days, so it was quite a while ago. And of course, it, you know, the place has matured and they've added attractions since then. But mm-hmm. uh, at the time, I was working for a company called BRC Imagination Arts. Yeah. And um, uh, I really enjoyed working with them. I, I worked with them on the Kennedy Space Center and uh, the Apollo Saturn V. And I, I was the, I don't know what my official title there was, show designer, I think. But, yeah. um, you know, I. I did a bunch of sketches and and kind of looked at how some of the scenes might look and and uh, you know worked with them on on that and uh, yeah I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it and it's and it's something that you know I like I like projects that are responsible that people can take something away from you know mm-hmm. in terms of knowledge and hopefully inspiration and so it's kind of fun to see from a pencil sketch to something that's physical and, yeah. you know, it's still, it's still in existence today, which is, which is great. It's a great so show. It is a great show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they did a, they did a great, a great job with that. And, yeah. uh, I also worked with them on, uh, mystery lodge at Knott's Berry farm. And that, speaking of things or, or is that ever, I wonder if that's ever going to come back. I don't know. It's been closed for a while. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, um, that was that was a fun project as well. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, and I learned a lot. And 
you know, working with the with the group over there was was a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad I had a you know a fair amount of that kind of experience before I went to work for Disney because uh, I think my my education, my perception of how things work in the world and in the mm-hmm. themed entertainment world, and then yeah. uh, you know, there's so many different layers and levels, and you know, Disney is Disney is one, but there's a whole bunch of others with very passionate people doing really cool things with very small budgets. And, right. and that's the cool stuff as well. So I'm glad I had that experience. With yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, young kids in college and stuff, they've got their eye on working for Imagineering. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's a great goal, but don't forget there's a huge, <laughs> I mean, that used to be the only game in town, but it's not anymore. Right. There's, there's a lot of uh, other places, smaller shops or, you know, yep. th- that might be a better place to start and get yep. that experience, yep. uh, you know, and you might well, just love it and make, make you know, friends and lifelong uh, 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 partnerships with people that uh, you really enjoy working with and well, you know, um, get your foot in the door. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, um, you you probably have a higher chance of something you're working on being built right actually seeing the light of day at a smaller shop um mm-hmm. because yeah. they're hired to, they're hired to do something and and mm-hmm. you know imagineering's a little bit different i mean you have blue sky where people come up with ideas and right. you're floating them around and you know so many of them you know end up in a drawer you know never to see the light of day again, or, you know, maybe it's 30 years later, it'll see the light of day again. So, um, you know, but, but smaller outfits, you know, they, they are hired to do a specific thing and, and they don't have the luxury of having, you know, people dreaming away and staring into space, thinking up concepts. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what Imagineers do all day long. That's well, that's all they do. No, that's they all sit, they do. Stare up in a space, and sometimes they scribble things on a cocktail napkin. Yeah, sometimes and they that, do, that. and that goes in a drawer. And uh... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that facetiously. It's not like it's you know people are actually doing that, but but um, I want that job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought you had that job. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's funny, but yeah, there's there's satisfaction in mm-hmm. in smaller smaller outfits there's not right size. yeah so don't don't discount that you know don't yeah. don't discount starting one of those places and uh, you might just love it you might just you know there's, you, there's know. you might just love it yeah yeah no you no question know. about it so you're playing with trains how's your uh, how's your railroad um well it's seeing uh it's seeing uh, a freight or two a week. Really? Mm-hmm. Pass by, but that's about it for right now. I think. Well, that's not bad. I think I think I'm about to. Well, it's it's for for those of you who don't know. That's probably everybody listening. I have a <laughs> I have a I have a, a G scale live steam layout. Yes, and, uh, it's very nice. So it's a circle. I mean, it's an oval. It runs around my yard and and. Uh, we have a lot of fun with it, but um, yeah. I think uh, I think I may be venturing into some new uh, territory soon, Dave. Which, really? Mm-hmm. 
it going to build some mountains and stuff out there? Some uh, no, I, I think it involves uh, I think it involves uh, maybe Owen thirty. <gasps> Yeah. Come over to the dark side. Yeah, come over to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> we have cookies. <laughs> oh, we're in 30. Well, okay. Well, you will have to keep me posted on that. And, uh, you know, if you want yeah. any uh, any uh, help or, or uh, advice Tips. or, or uh, just plain BS, I'm uh, more than happy to. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm more than happy to point you to many of my instructional videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i appreciate the depth of your work of your published work it's it's pretty pretty amazing somebody's got to do it right yeah no kidding so um i will tell you that um tell me this is a little story i'll tell you a little story okay dca 1.0 yes um one of my projects there was the winery the golden vine winery yes and it was originally hosted by robert mondavi mm -hmm. and um part of my unfortunate um duties was to make several trips to napa for research oh that sucks yeah and uh it involved <laughs> was know, there wine drinking and uh, no, there's wine drinking and, and yeah. hosted hosted wonderful dinners and all kinds mm -hmm. of great stuff so yeah. that was uh that was a lot of fun um we had a little show there i don't know did you ever see it seasons of the vine i i i never saw it um i didn't start I, honestly i didn't start going to dca i went once to dca 1.0 i really did i i was one of those people that it just didn't do anything for me uh and then i didn't yeah. start going until after the the Buena Vista Street and all that. Oh. And I was like, oh, hey, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the, this, this, this season of the Vine Show is 50-seat theater. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was in a building that later became the Blue Sky Cellar. Right. In California. And, mm -hmm. But what I liked about that show, and I'm just sort of going off on a tangent here, was... Go ahead. Um, you know, you're in a, you, you were in a barrel room. Right, right. Bench seating, and then there's the, there's a stage in front of you mm -hmm. with these big barn doors, and the, the host says, "Let's see what's going on in the vineyard today." And they open up the barn doors, and you have yeah. a you have a view that matches your perspective of a vineyard, and mm -hmm. that view changed every every season. So uh. if it was winter, you know the grapevines were barren, and if it was spring, you know you see the the buds breaking and things like that. If it's summer, you see. Then you see the harvest in the fall, and they 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 told the story of kind of the winemaking from the mm -hmm. beginning of from the beginning of the uh, winter to harvest. And right. Then, and uh, it was a pretty cool. It was a really cool show. I liked the music. I liked the I liked the integration of the environment of the theater with the screen beyond and that whole yeah. thing. And you know. Um, it wasn't around too long, hmm. but, but um, it was a lot of fun, and it was a lot of fun too to to, uh, to be on location when the when the, some of the scenes were being shot, you know, because yeah. you'd see these, you know, they they'd pour wine into glasses, and, you know, they'd do a take, and then they'd set the wine glasses aside; they're still full of wine, and then I'd look over and I'd see the 
know, the, the, the grips and everybody drinking. You take those perks where you can find them. Well, that's a great, I, I, I can see now I wish I had seen it. But there's probably on YouTube somewhere. I could probably yeah, find I wonder it. if it is. I don't know. But I bet somebody filmed it. Uh, I'd like to see it because that that sounds like the cla- classic edutainment in the in the Disney uh, style. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a sleeper, and unfortunately, because the park wasn't well attended and 9/11 yeah. and the other stuff that went along with right with DCA 1.0, you know, there wasn't. Mm-hmm. A lot of traction to the that that show or you know that that whole place so um but but you know in your career there's things like that that you've you've done that that are sleepers that just they're, they were there and they were there for a brief you know brief moment but yeah personally it just it was one of my little favorite little yeah. shows that's great what's your favorite thing on tom sawyer island bring that back that that you did there for the uh oh slayer you know, um, you can say the bathroom. That's fine. No, I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I think uh, we had a lot of fun with um, the interactives. Like, yeah. there's, there's one there's one in in in, in this lagoon where mm-hmm. you turn you turn a wheel. And, right. and, it, and it lifts a hoist and it pulls up a skeleton and there's treasure. Right. And it's just it's just fun, you know. It was fun to just take what was there and then create something that kind of fit into the scene. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we also had a phony a phony mountain of treasure. Yes. I have a picture of my kids sitting on that. That was that was fun too because I, you know I'm a believer in very basic. I mean, super elementary. Uh, super elementary aspirations that 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 people have and but but they're but they're timeless and they're classic like oh i'd like to fly Mm -hmm. or oh i'd like to find a buried treasure or i'd like to find gold you know i mean it's just simple 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 themes you know Mm -hmm. and and so the the mountain of treasure was was one of those things it was very difficult to make because um you know if there's a mountain of treasure people are going to pick at it and try to take it home right. Who wouldn't want to find treasure and take it home mm-hmm. so how do you make it so that there's Thank a mountain you. of treasure but you're not going to take it home right so uh that's one of those things that that i don't think you know too many people really think about but i but i, I really liked that little scene i, I yeah. thought that was a lot of fun and yeah. uh so I, I think there's a bunch of them. The, the other thing too is um, art directing the guys who carve the concrete or the plaster, because mm-hmm. you know a lot of a lot of the work there it's it's carved plaster to look like wood, like the yeah, side like of the, the ship. ship. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. all that stuff. And yeah. so to um, to carve the plaster to look like wood is it's it's an art form. There's teams of people that do that kind of that kind of uh, artificial rock work and mm-hmm. uh, they call it rock work, but it can be wood. It can be anything. It's just, right. it's just car plaster. Themed surfaces. Yes. And, and, you know, I, I was out there one day and I was telling this guy, I said, look, we want to look, we want, we want to make it look like some, why don't we make it look like some cannonballs hit this thing and bounced off. So can we make like an indentation? <laughs> <laughs> 
can we make some indentations like it's been hit by cannonballs? And yeah. So the guy's carving away, and it's like, is this right? Oh, I think I think that's getting close. Okay, is this right? Okay, I think you're getting closer. And uh, <laughs> you know, we had a lot of fun with that kind of thing. So yeah. you know, if you're out there, you know, take a look closely at some of the some of the carved okay. plaster, and you'll see some of those funny little things that. You know, most people don't notice, but if you do, you know, it's it's fun to see. So I, I like the subtlety of things like that too. I mean, I I, I can't say that I can't say that uh, the things that I like the most are the biggest, grandest things. It's it's for me, it's the details, the little subtleties. Once we get you know beyond the the obvious, and so mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun for me. Well, that's great. That's great. That's great. <laughs> oh ray it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and i thank you so much for Uh, coming back and and doing this again thank you dave can you hear me i can hear you okay get closer to get closer to the computer (laughs) 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 that's funny right there How's the weather out there in uh, your neck of the woods? Well, you know, today it's a balmy 70. It's in the 70s. That's after nice. after being, you know, 90s. So yeah, it's nice today. It's a good day. Today is a good day. It is a good day. Today is um, a good day. Yeah. And uh, if we uh, if you haven't been completely uh, bored by this, I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime. I would love to, Dave. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> always a pleasure. You never know where these conversations are going to go. You never know. We covered a lot of ground. I mean, we went from uh, from frontier land to to the future to infinity and beyond. Yeah. Well you said. Did. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure. And thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, thanks for being had. All Got right. It. All right. <laughs> Adios. Adios, amigo. <laughs> And that is our show for this time. Thank you so much for listening. I always have such a great time chatting with Ray Spencer and would like to thank him again for taking the time to be on our silly little show. Be sure to catch Ray in brief, highly edited snippets on the Disney Plus original series Behind the Attraction that is streaming right now. I will be back here in October with episode number 10 of the Thunder Mesa Limited podcast. Until then, you can catch me over on YouTube doing model railroad builds and how-tos on the Thunder Mesa Studio YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to this here podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And you can do that via direct RSS feed at thundermesa.studio slash podcasts or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are streaming. If you want to help get Thunder Mesa Studios podcasts and videos on the air, please consider joining our Patreon campaign. Our patrons get early access and exclusive content for as little as $3 a month. You can find out more at patreon.com slash thundermesa. And now, folks, I've got me a train to catch. Keep moving forward, amigos. Adios for now.